All right, if you got a Bible, go to Daniel chapter four. Daniel chapter four. The word of the Lord today is the only path forward. The only path forward. I'm gonna give you the answer to your only path forward out of your problems, out of your pain, out of your pessimism, out of your pride, out of all the P words you can think of, out of every situation, the only path forward, we're gonna find out in this passage, the only path forward is through praise. Praise is a path. Praise is a highway. Worship is a weapon against discouragement, against depression, against um, whatever it is you're facing right now. And I'm telling you right now, one of the biggest cures that the world has not tapped into, you know, they're looking for all the vaccines out there, but one of the biggest vaccines, the biggest cure is in our praise and worship. That when we begin to praise and we begin to worship, it actually decreases anxiety. It actually stabilizes blood pressure. Scientists have actually studied, people who don't even believe in Christianity have studied the effects of praise and worship. That singing songs to God, giving thanks to a higher being, actually increases the health of other people. It increases your health, it increases the environment of health around you. In Daniel chapter four, there was a king, his name was Nebuchadnezzar. And Nebuchadnezzar was the uh, most powerful man on the planet, right? So before Jesus came, there were kings who ruled the world. But all these men failed to give glory to God. And in Daniel chapter four, this king, Nebuchadnezzar, he found himself in a prideful place. And in this place of really taking all the credit for his glory, his success, he felt like it was all his doing. And he has this nightmare one night, like he can't sleep. By the way, pride affects our sleep. Um, anxiety is actually a result of anxiousness, not trusting in God and, and not trusting that God can take care of things and feeling like it's all up to us, like somehow we're in control. Uh, Jesus said, who of you by uh, being anxious or worried can add a single hour to your life? Like anxiousness, worry, all of it is connected to this, um, I, I feel like I gotta control this. And if I can't control it, then I'm worried because I don't trust God. Well, King Nebuchadnezzar was plagued with sleeplessness. And he has this nightmare, and in the nightmare, there's this huge tree that grows bigger than any other tree. And every nation can see this tree, and it topples above this, the clouds in the sky. But in the dream, the tree gets chopped at the stump. It falls to the ground, and in the dream, he hears these words, seven years in, in the jungle, seven years in the forest, seven years as a beast, and then the stump will grow again. He doesn't know what to do with the dream. He doesn't know what to do with the voice that he heard in the dream. So he goes to Daniel, the prophet during that time. Daniel was an Israelite living in captivity. He was one of the Hebrew boys like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego uh, who were really captured as slaves from Israel to serve in Babylon and they served as wise men, dream interpreters. And they would study and they would try to understand how to interpret dreams of other people. The king would often call on them. So the king comes to Daniel. He says, what does my dream mean? And Daniel says this. He says, this is the interpretation. In verse 24, this is the interpretation. First, he says, you are the tree. And the tree is coming down. Pride comes before a fall. He says, your majesty, this decree that the most high from heaven has issued against you is that you will be driven from people and you will live with the wild animals. He says, you're about to lose your glory. You're gonna go from being the highest of high. No, very few people could relate to Nebuchadnezzar. Like he was the top of the top of the top. And he had more money than anyone, had more power than anyone. 
But anything you don't turn into praise turns into pride. Anything you don't turn into praise turns into pride. And so Nebuchadnezzar had become prideful in his own eyes. He was too big for his own britches. He had forgotten where all the wealth came from. He had forgotten where all the power came from. He forgot the God who delivered Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Just in Daniel chapter 3, Nebuchadnezzar had had a season where he actually was worshiping God, but then he drifted back into a place of pride. And just like we saw even in in the story of Lucifer, who was one of the most uh, powerful, beautiful angels in heaven, his pride is what led to his downfall, and he was cast out of heaven and, and became the serpent on the earth, became the devil, the accuser of brothers and sisters. Pride always leads to a fall. Pride always leads to destruction. But Daniel says this. He says, you will be driven as a beast. I was telling this story to my kids last night, and they were so intrigued. They were like, wait, what? They were like, a man became a beast? They were like, this sounds like a Disney movie, like Emperor's New Groove. I was like, yeah, Disney plagiarized the Bible. They were like, didn't, didn't that guy, he turned into a llama, he was a beast for a season? I was like, yeah. And they were like, and Beauty and the Beast? I was like, yes, it's just like that. Except for in this place, this king had refused to give God glory and he was full of pride. And Daniel says, you will be drenched with the dew from heaven. Seven years will go by that you are in this humbled state. You're gonna go through, everybody say seven. Seven is an important number. There's a connection to this number that we're gonna get into later in the message, but he says, God will leave a stump. And that stump is the hope that you will repent. And when you repent, when you praise, your only path out of this humbling state, your only path out of this poverty, your only path out of this problem, your only path is gonna come through praise and worship. When you begin to praise, when you stop thinking so high of yourself, when you stop focusing so much on yourself, your kingdom will be restored. When you begin to give God the glory, when you begin to worship God, can I tell you, worship restores honor in your life. Praise to God restores value in your life. This is why the devil hates praise and worship. This is why the devil himself was a musician. He was the the worship leader in heaven. And so he attacks our ability to praise. He attacks our ability to sing, right? He wants us singing songs about ourselves. He wants us focusing on ourselves. He doesn't want us giving God worship and glory. Why? But God inhabits the praises of his people. And oftentimes in the Bible, God used worship to break chains. Like when Paul and Silas were trapped in a prison, he didn't give them a key. The key was in their mouth. When they begin to praise, when they begin to sing, the chains fell off, the shackles fell off. The devil knows that there is power in praise and worship. Go ahead and take a minute to praise and worship God. Some of y'all are about to get restored through praise and worship. You're about to see reconciliation through your praise. Daniel says, when you begin to praise, the stump is gonna grow again. The tree that was chopped down will grow again. That means your life will begin to come back to you. And Daniel says this, your kingdom will be restored when you acknowledge that God is the king of all kings, that he is the ruler of heaven. And then he says, majesty, please accept my advice. Accept my advice. He says, really, this is a question I think we should ask ourselves, am I a teachable person? Ask the person next to you, are you teachable? Are you teachable? When we hear this message and we think about pride and we go, yeah, 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 this is a good message for some prideful, arrogant people I know in my life. My boss needs this sermon. My ex needs to listen to this sermon. They could never be told no. They always had to have have yes people around, right, right. 
But pride is easy to spot in presidents. Pride is easy to spot in bosses. Pride is easy to spot in celebrities. Pride is easy to spot in athletes. Pride is hard to spot when you're looking in the mirror. Because you don't see it. You don't see what's in you. And Daniel said, take my advice. If you're teachable, if you're teachable, God can work with you. But if you can't be told no, if you want it all your way, if you're always right and everyone else is always wrong, this pride is going to be like a cancer that eats you from the inside out. And the only cure to the curse is praise and worship. The only cure to the curse that's about to hit your life is through praise and worship. He says, renounce your sins. Start doing what is right. Give to the poor. By the way, generosity is connected to praise and worship. You can't have one without the other. They're all connected. A, a person who praises and worships God lives with a generous soul. A person who refuses to praise and worship lives with greedy hands, right? Closed hands. This is my money, my stuff. I earned this. I got this. I'm in control of this. So stinginess is connected to a lack of praise and worship. But generosity is connected to praise and worship. Daniel says, if you'll renounce your sins, if you'll give God the glory, if you'll help the poor, if you'll live with eyes on God, he will restore your prosperity and it will be bigger and better than it was before you begin to praise. The good news is this story ends good, but not yet. All this happened in verse 28 to Nebuchadnezzar. Everything that was interpreted through that dream, but it didn't happen right away. God has a due date for the consequences of our sin. Just because it hasn't happened yet doesn't mean you got away with it. So God's giving him time to repent. God's giving him time to make things right in his life, and yet he refuses. And 12 months goes by. This should, this should send a, a chill down our spines. 12 months goes by, and Nebuchadnezzar thinks, yeah, that dream that Daniel prophesied about me, that's not coming true. And he's standing on the roof of his royal palace, and he looks at his escalade, and he looks at his nice house, and he looks at his children, and he looks at his wardrobe of nice suits and ties and shoes, and he looks at his job, and he looks at all the people, and he says, I am great. Verse 30, he says, is this not the great life that I have made? Is this not the great empire Babylon that I have built? This is my royal residence. My mighty power did this. I'm a self-made man. I'm a self-made woman. I'm an independent. I did it all by myself. The second you stop giving glory to God, you're walking down the path towards destruction. You want to get back on the path of life? Start giving praise to God for every good thing that's happened. Where would we be without the mercy of God? Where would we be without the goodness of God? But when he started taking glory for himself, as the words in verse 31, as the words were leaving his lips, the Lord spoke from heaven. He heard a voice. This is what is decreed for you, 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 you. You will be driven away, away from people. You will live as a wild animal, a beast, 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 beast. You will eat grass like the ox. Seven years will pass by until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign, 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 sovereign. Over all the kingdoms, 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 on earth and gives those to anyone he wishes, wishes, wishes. Right? I have to use all kinds of voices because I've got five kids, so I've got to tell them all stories with all kinds of characters and stuff. Immediately as the voice spoke, 
what had been said about Nebuchadnezzar was fulfilled. He was driven away from people and he became a beast. It says his body was drenched with the dew of heaven. His hair grew with the feathers of an eagle. You think your husband has back hair? This man had eagle hair all over his body. We all got a little bit of back hair, all right. Okay, don't act like, all right, let's move on from back hair, okay? This man had eagle hair everywhere, crazy looking. And he had claws. You think your wife has long nails? This man had claws like a bird. And he would walk around for seven years. Just imagine this. The most pow- like imagine whoever in your mind right now is the most powerful person on the planet. Back then, it was Nebuchadnezzar. During Caesar's time, it was Caesar. During Alexander the Great's time, it was Alexander. Right now, it could be a president here in the United States. It could be some, some high leader. But imagine if that leader all of a sudden became a beast, and you were just walking through the woods of Oklahoma, and this guy's just out there, just eating grass. And you're like, what's going on over here? This guy was like a billionaire. What happened to his estate? What happened to his money? What happened to his wealth? Pride turns you into a beast. You can look handsome on the outside, but your heart is ugly on the inside. You can look gorgeous on the outside, but an ugly spirit eventually begins to show. When you don't know how to be kind to people, when you don't know how to be wrong, when you don't know how to apologize, when everybody's gotta be perfect, when you're critiquing every little thing and I'm leaving a review about every little person and place I go to because I'm, I'm a perfectionist. You go, well, that's not pride, Paul. That's just perfectionism. It's connected to pride. All throughout the Bible, we see these attributes that God looks at. He says, if you don't crush pride, pride will crush you. If you don't deal with the beast of pride, pride will turn you into a beast. So there he is. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us and that we would leave today with a greater humility and a praise and a heart of worship towards you. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Amen. I remember when I was in college and this man named Marty Gatz came to our university. He was a Messianic Jew and he began to tell us this story. He said, I was friends with a man named Alan Minken. Y'all know that name, Alan Minken? He's a music producer. He won like a ton of Grammys or what do they call it? Not Dove Awards, but like the bigger awards, (laughs) the the awards that aren't from the Christian church. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Uh, So he won all these Grammys because he wrote songs that were featured on movies. And one of the songs he wrote that he was friends with Marty, he he said, Marty, I want to show you this new song I wrote. It's called um, Tale as Old as Time. This was like in the late 80s. Marty was like listening to it. He started crying. He said, Alan, that's like my life. He said, what do you mean? He said, I was a beast. Man, like I drank too much, I slept with women, I did whatever I wanted, however I pleased, and I was abusive. Like, the pride had made me abusive. I was angry. You may not abuse your kids, but you abuse yourself. He said, I just was, I was a beast. And he said, when I listened to Alan's song, I cried because he said, the beauty for me was Jesus that saved me. Like in the movie, the beast didn't get restored until he embraced the love of, of, of Belle, the beauty. And uh, Marty is telling the story at ORU. And I'm like trying not to cry because I'm like 19 years old and I'm awesome and I don't cry at Disney songs and stories. But Marty sits at the piano and he starts singing the song and he said, I I rewrote the words and I showed it to Alan, hoping that Alan would give his heart to Jesus someday. 
But he said, um, I want you to hear what this song for me is that's different than the song in the movie. Can I sing it for y'all this morning? No, it's a little cheesy, but just bear with me for a minute. old as time true as it can be I was lost in sin Jesus you came in unexpectedly my whole life has changed Your love set me free, no need to be scared, for you my heart's prepared, beauty and the beast, ever just the same, forever by my side. Faithful just as sure ever as before as the sun will rise. Tale as old as time. Where's Celine Dion at? Tune as old as song, wonderful and strange, finding I could change. Learning I was wrong. Sing it if you want to. Certain as the sun. Rising in the east. Tale as old as time. Song as old as rhyme. Beauty in the beast. Tale as old as time. Song is old as right. Jesus rescued me. Come on, how many of y'all have been rescued? How many of y'all would say you were a little bit of a beast before Jesus came in? How many of y'all still have a little bit of beast that Jesus needs to heal? Some of y'all are like nudging your spouse. You're like, Lord, heal this beast next to me. <laughs> I'm just kidding. We all love you. We all love each other. But I think about how in this story, Nebuchadnezzar was obsessed with himself. How, how in the world did it take seven years for him to finally repent? I wanna give you seven years, seven reasons that hold us back from praise. And each one of these reasons, I think, is connected to a year that it took Nebuchadnezzar to finally get over himself and begin to praise God. Number one, pride. What holds you back from praise? What holds me back from praise? Pride. Whatever I don't turn into praise turns into pride. So if, if someone comes and gives me a compliment, and I'm like, thank you, and then I allow it to get to my, by the way, don't believe the press about yourself. The good stuff and the bad stuff, right? Because at the end of the day, it's all meant to try to shift our identity in what people say about us. And if I live off the compliments of man, I'm gonna die off the criticism of man. 
But if I place my identity in God and someone gives me a compliment, I can say thank you, but then I can go, Lord, that was you. God, thank you for your goodness and grace. Lord, thank you for giving me those words to preach today. God, thank you for giving me the opportunity. Lord, it was you that gave me my voice. I didn't make my voice. Whatever I don't turn into praise turns into pride. By the way, who gave you your body? So God gave you your body, right? So if God gave you your body, turn that into praise. Say, Lord, it was you who gave me my hands. It was you that gave me my brain. It was you that gave me my voice. So any networking I've had, any connections I've had, any good thing that's come from my voice came from you. Anything I've done with my hands, if I've typed, if I filled out a resume, if I got a job, it came from you. Everything came, like, can we just take a second and give thanks to God? It all came from him. It all came, you didn't make yourself, God made you. You are not a self-made millionaire, you were made by the Lord. And every good gift, every trophy you got, every promotion you got, every opportunity, every job you've gotten, we gotta stop taking credit for what God has done in our life. If there's one thing my mama taught me when I was young, don't take the credit, Paul. Give, give glory to God, give praise to God. She would teach John and I, give praise to God. If something good happens on the basketball court, thank one of the other players for passing you the ball. If something good happens on the football field, thank the, the other guys who blocked for you. Stop acting like you did this all by yourself. Like, give, give some thanks to God and to other people. I think grateful people are happier people. I think prideful people are miserable as heck. I think the only way we come out of the path of pride is we start praising God. We start giving thanks to God. We start giving thanks to other people. Stop taking all the credit. Come on, give God praise. Isaiah chapter six, verse five, he says, when I saw the Lord, I was ruined. Now this was the prophet who was closer to God than anyone. He said, my righteousness is filthy rags in God's eyes. Because it's not just pride in what I've accomplished, it can also be spiritual pride. Like, I don't go down to altar calls. I am spiritually better than every human being in this church. Only the, the dirty people go down. I've seen cleaner people come down to the altar than some of us in this room. The truth is, we all need mercy. And at the foot of the cross, it's level ground. There is no Christian that stands higher than another Christian. We are all valuable and in need of the mercy and the grace of God. There's no believer that's better than another believer. There's no country that's better than another country. There's no ethnicity that's better than another ethnicity. There's not a gender that's better than another gender. It's not adults better than kids. There's no junior varsity Holy Spirit. The same God that loves you loves your kids, loves the babies, loves white babies and black babies and Indian babies and Hispanic babies and God loves the whole world but the second we start seeing ourselves as superior we start looking down on other people this is where prejudice comes in this is where racism comes in and this is this is I think this is where Hitler developed his hatred towards the Jews this is what Martin Luther King Jr. was standing up against 70 years ago saying hold on why are we treating one one part of the human race worse then another part, we gotta stop this, it's pride, it's arrogance, you are not better than another human. We all need mercy. Nebuchadnezzar, we all need mercy. Whatever you don't turn into praise turns into pride. Number two, possessions. What holds us back from praise? Possessions. My stuff, I gotta have my stuff, Paul. If God was to ask you to give away your favorite pair of shoes, just got quiet in this charismatic church. If God was to ask you to give something it's okay to have possessions. It's not okay for possessions to possess you. So many people are possessed by their possessions. 
my stuff is everything. My car is everything. My shoes is everything. Like, this is, this is, this is my everything, Paul. You take this away from me. You strip me of this possession. I'm not coming to your church. I'm not following Jesus unless he blesses me. That's backwards, man. He already has blessed you. He went to the cross for us. Man, he died on the cross. He paid for our sins. He gave us salvation. He doesn't have to do another thing for me. He's always been good. He's already been faithful. He already deserves my worship. Whether he blesses me or answers my prayers, he's already blessed me. It's backwards to think God's got to give me more possessions in order for me to give him more praise. No, 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 no. The second you start praising God, even if you don't, like when I was in Africa last week, we were walking in this one area of Ghana and it was a very nice area in Accra, but we came across an area that was not so nice and there were people with very little, but they had huge smiles. And they said, hey, where are you from? We said, yeah, we're from Oklahoma. And they just smiled, they just wanted to talk to me and John, just wanted to talk to us, show us bracelets, show us what they've been painting over there. But I just, I just was so amazed at how thankful and happy they looked. You know, some of the wealthiest people in the world who have all the possessions are also very depressed. And they're very afraid of who's gonna steal their stuff. Alexander the Great said this when he was really sick. He said, uh, he, he looked at all of his generals when he got sick and he said, I have three wishes when I die. When I depart from this world, please carry these three wishes without fail. Number one, I want my physicians alone to carry my coffin. Number two, I desire that when my coffin is transported to the grave, the path to the graveyard must display all the wealth that I've collected in my lifetime. Number three, cut holes in the coffin and stick my hands out. I want my hands hanging out of the coffin. Alexander said, I want the world to learn three lessons from what I learned in my lifetime. Number one, I want my physicians to carry my coffin because people should realize that there is no doctor that has the cure for death. It's coming for all of us. We're helpless in front of death. Number two, I spent all my life earning riches. I became the wealthiest man in the world, but I won't take any of it with me. Let people know that wealth is nothing but dust. Number three, I want the world to know that I came empty-handed in this world and I grasped for all the nations of the earth but I will leave empty-handed. I agree with Alexander the Great, but I differ on one part. Yes, we will leave this world with nothing in our hands. You won't be able to take your car into heaven. You won't be able to take your house. You won't be able to take your clothes, your shoes, your jacket, your, your, your boots. You won't be able to take your TV. You won't be able to take anything that, that's material. But you will take into eternity what you give to the kingdom of God. You will take into eternity what you do for others for the kingdom of God. Anything you do for the kingdom of heaven echoes in eternity for generations to come. I've done funerals for a lot of people. Growing up in our church, I went to a lot of funerals and weddings. Went to funerals that my parents would preach at. Then I went to my dad's funeral. But here's the point. At all of those, I learned that as years go on, nobody remembers the possessions these people had. People remember the impact they made for the kingdom of heaven. Number two, number three, perfectionism. What holds people back from praise? Perfectionism. I want everything to be perfect. I want to be the best. I got to be better than Paul. I got to be better than Daniel. I got to be better than Tim. I got to have better jackets than Tim has. I got to, better, I got to have better shoes. And this perfectionism is pride. It's a competitive spirit. It's okay to compete, but it's not okay to live with a constant need to be better than everybody else.
It will plague you. It'll rob you of your sleep. And it makes you think that, that, like, the need to be better than everybody else is all about ego. It's all about ego. If I can be content with who I am in Christ and celebrate who Ty is in Christ, and when he succeeds, we all succeed. And when Debbie looks great, we all look great. If I am not in a race with my sister or a race with my brother, I'm less to be critical of everybody. People who are constantly critiquing everyone, there's something wrong with you. You could do better. 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 I could do better. It's like, yeah, of course, we could all do better, but stop and smell the roses. There are some good things going on in here. Can we just pause and give thanks that life is still good and it's better? Maybe, maybe it's not as good as you want it to be, but at least it's better than it used to be. Come on, some of y'all got, have, have lost your praise. And we're living in a world where everybody wants us to leave a review. Everybody wants us to leave a review, and it drives a critical spirit, so we look for things that are wrong. I've just started leaving good reviews for everybody. I'm like, five stars for you, five stars for you. And then I can hear the enemy going, well, they shouldn't get five stars because they didn't do the best on this situation. It's like, if I demand perfection from everyone, I'm setting myself up for a big fall. Because how many of y'all know none of us are perfect? Some of y'all are like, speak for yourselves. All right, number four, number four. I'll go, go, go quick here. Pessimism. Perfectionism leads to pessimism. Complaining. Always things are going to get worse. Always believing things will never get better. It's very moody, very just constantly down about life. Debbie Downer, like, well, things are going to get worse. It's not going to be good. It's, uh, trust me, I just don't see this going. Did you hear about this bad situation? Just pess- pessimism. People can't praise when they're stuck in a place of pessimism, complaining. This is what kept the Israelites from inheriting the promised land. They complained about the bread. They were like, well, God didn't give us warm manna this morning. It's a little too cold. Well, the fish is not as good. And God was blessing them, trying to give them the promised land, but their complaining, pessimistic attitude robbed them of being able to take the promise. Praise is the path into the promised land. It's giving God thanks. Number five, pain. Pain, pain, like people when they are suffering will either harden your heart or it will humble your heart. Suffering and pain either hardens your soul and makes you a bitter human being towards people, towards doctors, towards God, towards your spouse and family, or pain brings you to your knees in humility and you go, oh God, oh God, like Hezekiah did with Isaiah, oh Lord, everything I have came from you. For richer or poor, I'm committed to you. In sickness and in health, I'm with you, Lord. But God, I ask you, even in this sick bed, Lord, that you would be. Isn't it interesting the song Give Thanks was written by a man who just found out he became blind. And the song, It Is Well With My Soul. It is well with my soul. It is well, it is well. I picked a high key. With my soul. That man, thank you for filling in for me, guys. Beauty and the Beast did a number on me, all right? But uh, that song was written by a man who just lost his wife and daughters. Give thanks with a grateful heart, written when he found out he was blind. Um, I believe in you, I believe in you, you're the God of miracles. That guy wrote that song right after he had a miscarriage. See, suffering and pain, whether it's physical pain or emotional pain or heartache from a miscarriage, heartache from a divorce, whatever it is, heartache from the loss, the grief, 
it either hardens your heart towards God and church and people and you become very bitter. And, and I'm, I'm not trying to be mean to anyone. I, I believe we can grieve. Don't let your grief lead to bitterness. In that grief, find a song. In that grief, find a worship song. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop working. Yeah. Find a song. Pain. Job found a song. When Job was going through the worst pain in his life, he said, Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your glorious name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Then he went on to sing, My Redeemer lives. My Redeemer lives. My Redeemer lives. My Redeemer lives. Number six, people don't praise because they're having a pity party. If you don't deal with pain, pain turns into a pity party. So I'm, I'm just talking about woe is me, woe is me. I'm so upset. I'm so angry. I'm just, so I just constantly talk about my problems, constantly talking about what, what life has dealt me. I got a bad hand. They didn't give me enough Cane's chicken. Church went a little too long today. I'm just a little frustrated. It's all about you. It's all about you. It's all about me. It's all about us. It's pride. It, right in the center of pity is I, I. In the center of pride is I, 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 me. There was an old country song. Want to talk about me? Want to talk about my? Want to talk about number one? Oh, my, me, my, me, 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 me. Y'all remember that song? Anyone listen to secular country back in the day? We've been redeemed, but we used to listen to it. Okay. That song was the funniest song. I was sitting singing. I showed it to my dad. He's like, this is like the opposite of the gospel. It's not about us, Paul. I was like, I know, but my mom, I used to watch her worship when she could have had a reason to throw a pity party. My mom is like the hero of praise and worship. She is like the champion of our church when it comes to praise and worship. She exemplifies what it looks like to keep praising. The only path forward, my mom Mom, can I tell him your birthday's coming up this next month? I, you want me to say the age or no? No? Is it okay? She's turning 70 this year in December. And she looks like she's 45. Come on, Jesus. I think praise has made her age well. I think worship makes you age well. That's the, that's the message right there. You look great, Mom. But you know, I think about that. We need to give you an award this year, like a lifetime achievement award that you have praised through so many problems and you have worshiped through so many situations. And this is what God, this is what Habakkuk did in Habakkuk chapter three. He says, even when there's no cattle in the stall, even when life hasn't gone my way, even when I've lost things that I thought I would get, even when prayers don't get answered, I will still praise the Lord. I will still praise the Lord. I still got a reason to sing. I still got a reason to praise. Number seven. So we're in Nebuchadnezzar's seventh year. On his seventh year, he finally changes. The seventh reason that I think people don't praise is problems. Problems. People allow problems to dictate their praise instead of making praise dictate the problem. People allow problems to shut down their praise instead of allowing praise to shut down some problems. Jehoshaphat was facing a problem in 2 Chronicles 20. It wasn't a problem he signed up for. There's battles you get to pick. 
There was a pastor who once told me, he said, Paul, pick your battles wisely with your wife. You don't have to pick every battle. And he would say, pick your battles wisely with your kids because they're going to come. They're, they're going to get back and forth with you. Pick your, but then there's some battles you can't pick. There's some problems you didn't, like an Amazon package is delivered on your door and you're like, hold on, I didn't order this. This, this isn't mine. Give this to somebody else. It's a ticking bomb. Like, what? Sometimes the devil delivers a package at your door, a problem that you didn't sign up for. In 2 Chronicles 20, Jehoshaphat was surrounded by armies picking a battle against him that he didn't sign up for. But God gave him a strategy, and the strategy was praise. God said, put your worshipers out front. You're going to win this war. The battle doesn't belong to you. It belongs to the Lord. And when he began to worship, and the worshipers began to praise, the name Jehoshaphat actually means a praise warrior. When he began to praise, when he began to worship, God set ambushes on the enemy's side. God's about to shift your problems when you start to shift into praise. Stand to your feet all over this place. You know, the thing I love about this story of Nebuchadnezzar is he doesn't stay as a beast. Look at this in verse 34. After seven years, I, Nebuchadnezzar, finally realized I don't have to stay in this beast mode, like bad beast mode, not good beast mode. So I raised my eyes towards heaven. By the way, the path towards your healing is going to come when you look up. Look up. Look up to heaven. Look up to heaven. Pride keeps us looking down on people. Humility gets us looking up. I'm not an independent person. I am codependent on the Holy Spirit. I am codependent on the Lord God, my rock, my fortress. I need him every single day of my life. Am I a needy person? Yes, I am needy for the Lord. I need his mercy every single day. I need his grace. Great is thy faithfulness. I am not a self-made Christian. I am not a self-made righteous person. Only for the blood of Jesus Christ am I forgiven and redeemed and saved and renewed. He's been good to me. So Satan, I'm going to keep on praising. You can't shut down my worship. I'm going to keep on singing. You can't steal my song. This is the way people got through hard times. They worshiped. They sang hymns. This is how they got through it. Because the hymns were a way to deal with the pain. There was something about the song that healed the soul. This is how my mom raised me, just sing hymns but we're in pain. Like our house just burned down. We're going to worship the Lord. There was something about the songs and the hymns and the worship that brought healing in our family. It changed the perspective of the problem. When Nebuchadnezzar lifted his eyes towards heaven, he says, I got my sanity back. I got my mind back. I stopped hearing all these voices. I, I, my, my nails went back. The, the, the eagle hair went away. I, I started looking human again. Humility makes you human again. Pride turns you into a beast, but humility makes you human again. He says, I praised the most high. I realized I wasn't the most high. I was little compared to the most high. I gave him the glory. I gave him the worship. I gave him the honor. Then all of a sudden he starts writing a worship song. His dominion is an eternal dominion. His kingdom reigns forever. His kingdom endures from generation to generation all the people of the earth. See, Nebuchadnezzar starts singing and worshiping when he gets his mind back. 
Because he realizes this is my only path forward. My only path out of my problem is praise. My only path out of my poverty is praise. My only path towards prosperity is praise. My only path towards my promotion is praise. My only path to get my mind back. My only path to become human again. My only path to get my marriage back is praise. It's humility. It's worship. It's shifting the focus off me. It's looking to God, my helper. It's realizing I'm nothing without him. It's coming back to my senses that I need the Lord and I need his goodness and his mercy. He says no one can stop God. He is more powerful than all kings and all people. No one can hold back his hand. He says at the same time in verse 36 that my sanity was restored. My honor came back. I wasn't just human again. I got my honor back because praise restores your honor. Isn't it crazy that giving honor to God actually restores honor for you? Some of you have felt devalued in this season. You have felt overlooked. You have felt little in the eyes of certain people. You're going, man, I just wish they would honor me. God says, if you'll give me all the honor and all the glory, I'll restore honor in your life. I'll help you find your identity outside of what he thinks about you or what she says about you. He says, I got my honor back. I started shining again. My splendor came back. I started, like there was a glory that hit my house. It was like the, the whole house got changed when I started to praise. The atmosphere of the kingdom shifted. My nation got better. My family got better. My advisors and nobles, they looked for me. I was restored back to the throne. I got my position back but don't miss this don't miss this he says I became greater than I was before but it didn't matter to me the way it used to now in verse 37 everything that's good in my life I turn into praise I praise and I give thanks and I exalt and I glorify the king of heaven. I give him, somebody give the glory to God today. Give him praise. Lord, we worship you. Lord, we praise you. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. Through praise and worship. Through praise and worship. I'm going to give thanks. I'm going to give praise. Just bow your heads all over this place. Close your eyes. If you're here today and you need to get right with Jesus, raise your hand. Today's your day. You need to get right with the Lord. Today's your day to receive forgiveness, salvation, healing, restoration. You need the Lord to do something in your life. Raise your hand if that's you. Secondly, you're here today and you say, this message was for me. I need to raise my praise back. I need to increase my praise level. I need to seek the Lord more. I need to humble myself before God. I'm in a battle right now. And the only way through this battle, I got to get my eyes and my heart set back on the Lord. If that's you, raise your hand. If this word was for you and the Lord's calling you to raise your praise, if you raised your hand or should have raised your hand, would you leave your seat? Come and join me at this altar. And we're just going to worship for a, a minute or two, a couple minutes. Come on, just come down to the altar. Let's cheer on brave men, brave women, boys and girls, college students, moms and dads, grandparents, singles, whatever season of life you're in. And let's just begin to worship. Lamar, would you just sing us? This is how I find my This is how I get through it. If you need healing today, the healer is here. If you need healing of sickness or disease, he's here. If you need freedom from sin, he's here. If you need the Lord to touch your heart, he's here. If you need to get your sanity back, he's here. His love is here. His mercy is here. You're a mighty man of God, a mighty woman of God. This is how I fight my battles. 
He's restoring. He's restoring. up the most high. He's working all things. He's worthy. He's worthy. Worthy is your name, Jesus. You deserve the praise. Worthy is your name. Oh, worthy, Lord. Worthy is your name. you behind you. Worthy is your he embraces you as a father. He loves you. He's restoring value to you. He's restoring you honor to you. He's calling you his daughter, his worthy son. Worthy worthy is your name. He's the name above all names. He opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Would you pray this with me? Say, Jesus, I surrender. You are God. I am not. You are the most high. You deserve the glory. You deserve the praise. You are my healer, my redeemer, my restorer. And I look to you. I trust in you. Lord, I need your grace. I believe you died on the cross. You rose from the grave. I repent of my sin. 
and I receive your mercy. I'm all yours, God. I believe you're working even when I can't see it. So I'm going to fight my battles with praise, with worship, with a heart of thanksgiving because you deserve the glory. You deserve the honor. In Jesus' name, amen.